Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Love podcasts, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Show podcast, ladies and gentlemen. All together now. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ava. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. Stone cold. Drop a comment with happy birthday to Ava. No, a... Drop an F in the chat for Ava's birthday. Yes, absolutely. Drop candle emojis, cake emojis, the whole thing. Light it up. The podcast now has a generational divide. Sure does. <laughs> yeah, it does. And a political divide. Exactly. What are those two? Could you well, put them into words? As being on the opposite side of it to both Ava and I, on both of them, you tell me. Being opposite? Okay, so I'm young. Yeah. You two are past it. <laughs> um, you're both signed up party members to Reform UK correct and UKIP one of you's in each and I'm who's UKIP and who's Reform I'll let you guys decide well I am now of the age where I would might consider voting Reform <laughs> <laughs> then why were you doing it before you'll discover <laughs> <laughs> it's not a new thing you'll discover when you become 30 Ed all of a sudden um, you start hating refugees <laughs> okay uh, that's, um, that seems daunting. You'll have a great awakening. Really? Mm. Does like, God visit you? Yes. When you're thirsty? In your sleep. Okay, that's interesting. On the night. That sounds quite terrifying. Like the ghost of Christmas past. Uh-huh. The eve of your 30th birthday. Thank God that's for a few years. Not to brag. I'm 21, so <laughs> nine years. How old do you think Ed looks? I don't know. I think you'll come into your face soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll fill out in a few years. That's not the issue I have. <laughs> Ed Campbell, how are you? Great, thank you. How are you? Tip top. Terrific. Tickety boo. The birthday girl. Mm. How are we? Mm. Fine. <laughs> Good. Busy day in Rochdale yesterday. Yeah. Very, very busy day. That nothing, nothing brings me more joy than when I'm going to do an outside shoot and I turn up and it's just sheets of rain. You had that in Brighton, didn't you? Yeah, it was miserable weather. 
God, British winter. It's not great. Fuck it's the not, global it's, warming. It's not winter anymore. February's winter. No, it's not. Technically. The Six Nations has started its spring. I disagree fundamentally. Uh, men- mentally. And because we also live in London, which has no microclimate and spring doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just summer now. It's just it's just summer. Yeah. Have you looked outside today? Uh, positively delightful, fair English day. <laughs> yeah, it could be June. Mm. Actually, it actually could be June. Yeah. I, I agree. But how, how was Rochdale? Yeah, really, yeah, fine. Um, I I went to interview, uh, I would like to have, have had interviewed George Galloway, but uh, they decided to ghost me on the day of the uh, the planned interview. Nice. Um, uh, any, of the, any of the other candidates available for you to speak to? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I had to stop by reform. <laughs> <laughs> you were going up to campaign anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you thought I might as well take some more content. <laughs> One thing I will say about the what reform do well is <laughs> <laughs> just the one today, fellas. <laughs> is whenever <laughs> when, whenever you go, whenever you go and interview candidates, right? It's all it's all very like um, formal, and you know you go in, shake the hands, have a little bit of chit chat, then you get down to the interview, and then you leave. Thank you very much for your time. When you go to interview reform, they always offer you a beer, um, and they have a bit of chat before old school. Um, you know, you'll sit around, have your pint, and then mm. and you're, it's, you know, it's quite nice. <laughs> when I interviewed uh, a guy in the Brexit party, the interview was in a pub. Yeah, my, this interview yesterday was in a pub too. Nigel, <laughs> Nigel was sat there, someone else was sat there, and they were just having beers. And like, he got up, left the beers, came and sat in a different corner of the pub, did the interview, then went back and sat back down again. It's quite a nice way to do your politics, I think. Speaking mm. to politics. Mm. Just always drinking. Um, how many candidates are standing in the Rochdale by-election? There are quite a few independents, but of the main parties, mm. so there, there is a Labour candidate, just because that they're, you know, his candidacy or his campaign is now running like the Mary Celeste. Like it's sort of, <laughs> it's, got no, it's got no money, it's got no support, no canvases, no nothing. But it, he still is the Labour candidate and that is how he will appear on the ballot. His note is say Azar Ali and then Labour. Yes, mm. because the ele- it's too late. The Electoral Commission set an arbitrary date, which after that you can't withdraw your candidate. Mm. So if he is to win, if people haven't been paying attention to the national press and they go and vote Labour, he might win and then he'll have the whip suspended the moment that he enters Parliament. So it will literally be, I do solemnly swear to be a Labour MP and then I'll be like gotcha retract that and just for the sake of people who aren't familiar with why this has happened Ava um, why has he sort of been why has Labour tried to disaffiliate or has well disaffiliated itself from him so in the the Mail on Sunday revealed um, some comments that he'd made at a local party meeting and in those comments he invoked a uh, a trope that is used against Jewish people, which basically says that Jewish people bring pain onto themselves, that they invite pain and suffering and invite their persecution. Um, it's a very old trope. Quite familiar with it. The specifics of what he said, right, were that, was that Israel knew about the October 7th attack in advance, but allowed it to happen for yes. political purposes. Which, of course, is a, an old trope. Mm. Um, and then the next time, so then the Mail on Sunday waited and then they were going to bring out a fresh comment that he'd made where he said that Andy McDonald, who is a Labour MP, uh, faced the wrath of a lot of Jewish people being in the media, which I need not remind you is another trope. Mm-hmm. So you've got him, Azar Ali, who's independent, formerly Labour. You've got 
Paul Ellison, am I right in saying? Yeah, he's the conservative. So you have to do you have to do them all. You have mm. to know, if you're going to talk about them, you have to name them. That's the rule. Oh, you were being you were you were being lawful there. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, as I always am. I like in all of my activities. I like when we go off com, even though we don't need to. One hundred percent lawful. Yeah, nice. One hundred percent lawful. Above board. Uh, Ian Donaldson, Lib Dem. Did you speak to him? I did. Tip top. Simon Danchuk, Reform UK. I did speak to him as well. Old pal. The, he is, of course, the uh, former Labour MP who had to who stopped being an MP because he was found to have been texting a 17-year-old. Texting. Sexting. Sexting. 17-year-olds. I was being lawful. <laughs> George Galloway from the Workers' Party of Britain. He's another candidate. Here we go. Here come the independents. Reverend Mark Coleman. Mm. Independent. What's his deal? Long-time climate campaigner and just stop oil supporter. He's been mm. jailed twice during climate protests. Um, Michael Howarth, mm. another independent. His deal is... I, where I'm reading this from, he's down as both Michael Howarth and Michael Howard. Michael Howard? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't <laughs> what the hell? I don't think it is the, the Michael Howard. Uh, that's a local lad representing the people of Rochdale. Then David Anthony Tully, mm. uh, local businessman committed to local issues, such as reopening Rochdale's maternity ward and providing aid to local businesses. Are there more? Yeah, William Howarth. Wait, are they not the Yeah, same? and so he goes by Billy Howarth. He'll be William on the ballot. And I also spoke to him, and he is a single-issue candidate. And his... Um, so it just, is he related to Michael Howard? No, they just oh. just, That's quite uncommon just a couple of Howards on there. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, and what's he, he? What's the ticket he's standing on? The Rochdale grooming gangs. So what he basically he is a long-standing. He's a, a campaigner, and he's worked with a lot of charities in the area to um, uh, lift the lid on the Rochdale grooming gangs and that appalling scandal that took place there for for years and years. I mean, decades and. Some say that it's still going on now. Mm. Um, and he, he's, he's fighting on a single ticket issue, which is basically to, to, to bring people to accountability. Guy Otten from the Green Party. And then Raven Rodent Subortner of the official Monster Raving Looney Party. Is that different from the Monster Raven Looney Party? It's like a, I th a split. I feel, like, I feel like they probably... Splitters! <laughs> I feel like they probably have just put official in front of it because... Because of all the imitators. Yeah, because makes they're, sense. they're funny like can't that. move for them. Yeah. They are funny. You said they were funny. They are funny. <laughs> sp having spent time with them at by-election counts, they are peculiar people. Good value. Yeah. I did. I made a video for Joe years ago where I tried to... It was like, nothing's going on at the by-election, which I'll try and join the Monster Raving Looney Party. So they like let me like their, pro their clothes and props and stuff and try to come up with a name for me and that sort of thing. That sounds quite fun. It was a good way to put, kill a couple hours at a by-election <laughs> in, in mid-Wales. I won't lie. I'm trying to think where I put my notes on um, George Galloway's party, the Workers' Party. Okay. I was looking at a few of the... Um... Sorry, did you want to... No, by all means. No, it's just, it's sort of, it's presented as this socialist alternative to the Labour Party. Um, and actually, it's got a lot of uh, values or policy proposals that are totally at odds with with a lot of people who care about other people um <laughs> for example it doesn't it's got a pretty uh, archaic climate policy um and it also it, it's very gender critical it doesn't uh you know so it's it's not quite the socialist utopia that the name might uh, might might you might think it might happen. Have you made the mistake of engaging seriously with the Workers' Party of Great Britain's policy platform, whereas in actual fact, George Galloway is possibly doing 
something slightly different. Well, I don't know, Wally. I just thought, as a as a journalist, I thought that I would look into the, you know, no, yeah. Um, it was a great. It's piece. it's fascinating what Galloway's done there, though. Before we move on to PMQs, then, um, what did you learn while you're in Rochdale? Um, Galloway's campaign is really interesting. So what he's doing is he's basically instead of going the traditional media route. He is basically going to a lot of mosques, he's going to a lot of meetings, and he is campaigning on the Gaza ticket. And he is talking about how this is a de facto referendum on Gaza. The reason when he first started the campaign, this is going to be rendered a little bit irrelevant today by today's um, ceasefire vote, but he wanted to teach Starmer a lesson. Those were the words that were in the press release. Um, and he wanted to prove that people wanted a ceasefire and this would therefore be a referendum on what the people wanted. Mm. Um, and he wanted to oust Labour on that ticket. That seems like a pretty good opportunity to talk about um, what's going on in Parliament today then. Yes. So, opposition day debate. What's the story? So as, as we are speaking, the uh, Labour amendment has been selected which okay. changes the course of events mm. slightly to what was predicted. So there's going to be a vote today. It's an SNP opposition day debate, which means an opposition party can lay down motions and then parliament will debate them and vote on it. And typically opposition parties won't vote for other parties. That's, you know, a bit of an obvious point. I, I come here for the uh, astute political commentary. <laughs> um, Labour have added an amendment to that motion so it's more in line with Labour's values and they would like a, an immediate ceasefire that lasts um, contingent on, uh, on both sides laying down arms rather than it just being skewed that Israel stops the fighting. They want Hamas to be held accountable as well. That will now likely <clears throat> pass because Labour will be whipped to vote on that and then possibly the SNP motion will then pass. If, if that amendment by Labour hadn't been added, the whole thing would have probably collapsed and just gone through. Will it pass? Will it pass? Will there be enough? Will there be Conservative MPs who support it? No, but I mean, enough might abstain. Right. Got you. Um, Sorry, should I have added more? No, 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 no. I, just, I was just waiting to see if you're going to say anything more. That's right. Um, okay then, Ed. So there's been a lot of kind of um, back and forth about the specific wording on yep. things like this, like whether. The difference between the alleged difference between a ceasefire, a humanitarian pause, mm -hmm. and an immediate ceasefire, an immediate humanitarian ceasefire, I believe, is the one coming out latest. And I think because yesterday you had Prince William calling for an end to fighting now, um, which obviously, in sort of um, synonym terms, would be <laughs> uh -huh. calling for an immediate ceasefire without saying the words. Immediate if this was ceasefire. Jeopardy, the answer would be, "What is a ceasefire?" Mm. If that was the description, ending ending fighting, putting down your mm -hmm. your weapons. I mean, what do you make of the kind of the, the back and forth, the, the sort of perhaps even slightly philosophical sort of delving into the sort of the linguistics of this. I think it's crass. I think mm. this entire debate and the polit politicking going on, politicking? Politicking? Politicking. The manoeuvring, the parliamentary manoeuvring is pretty crass. Mm. I think the important thing is that this motion, any motion for a ceasefire gets passed, I think it's very powerful for the UK Parliament to stand in opposition to, or stand in support of a Oh, fire. you're not calling the SNP's motion politicking? No, I will. I think, I think, I think, well, you treat every, everything in part, like, you can treat them with some cynicism, but I think you can also, they put, they've laid down the motion and let's take them on their terms. They're calling for a ceasefire on, and I think Stephen Flynn was very impressive in Parliament today talking about the reasons for a ceasefire. He didn't really go in on Keir Starmer 
he didn't make it into he didn't make it into like a a divisive labor issue it seemed more it seemed more this is a moral thing to do and so i think the politicking involved is pretty crass and is irrelevant hmm. to the issue there's like that like people people are being killed there's thousands of people have been killed one over a million people are in Rafa about to have an onslaught by Israel. Does the actual def- technical definition of the ceasefire matter? To your mind, does the sort of the Scottish politics side of this, what's going on what, with um, Scottish Labour's conference, mm-hmm. do you think that has any direct bearing on what's happening at the moment in Westminster? I think it certainly does. What I, what I think is interesting is well, the Scottish Labour Party, the motion they passed this weekend essentially identical to what, to, to what the SNP are proposing. Mm. So, and, so that puts the two Scottish Labour MPs in an interesting position. It would, be, it would be interesting, I suppose now relevant because they picked the Labour amendment, so it's interesting to see what they would have done. Would they have stood with the Scottish Labour Party or would they have been whipped into supporting the UK party's um, decision? And obviously the SNP are desperate to like, put any sort of bad spin on Labour, especially Scottish Labour, this is the argument that there is that they are just the branch office of mm. the Labour Party, that Anna Sarwar and Scottish Labour are just the just the puppets of Keir Starmer. Um, and it, it would put Anna Sarwar in a pretty difficult position as he has been he's more aligned with Hamza Yusuf and the SNP on Gaza and Palestine and Israel than he is perhaps with the main UK party. So I think there is like Cynically, the SNP could exploit this. And they have been Scotland. throughout, haven't they? They've been throughout all of this. Scottish Labour have been more on side with the SNP mm-hmm. than Westminster. Yeah. And I, I think to give, on the one hand, you could, could just say, well, this is just the SNP being divisive. But I would like to, I'd, I'd, to give them some credit. They have been, Stephen Flynn and the SNP have been pretty consistent with their calls for a ceasefire. And I think you have to take this at face value. Can we just take, do like a brief explanation of what the politicking is for... Um, what, what we mean by the politicking. So what it is, is that Keir Starmer whipped his MPs the last time that there was a ceasefire vote to vote against it. And his argument for that was that um, we don't vote, we, we vote on our motions, we don't vote for other people's motions. And he lost, 56 people defied that whip and he lost quite a number of people from his front bench. Mm, three of them, I think, over. three resignations. Yeah. Mm. And... Um, the argument this time that I suppose is happening in Lotto, which is the leader's office, is that it would be incredibly embarrassing for them to have voted against it the last time and then this time to vote for an opposition day motion because what's changed in the last yeah. couple of months. And so it's, it's essentially about saving face. And then when you're not in the Westminster bubble, I think you can see how ridiculous <coughs> that is. And when you're inside it, I think you're so consumed by um, the the inner machinations of like what's going to be in Politico's London playbook that you can't yeah. you can't see the wood through the trees. There, there was a good article by Ben Ansel on his Substack recently. Um, it was actually I think it was. Did you read it? Uh, I did not. I plan to. It's um, good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we te- we had him on. We had him yeah, on. Yeah, no, no, I know. We, we interviewed him. Check it out. Yeah, talking about the difference between people, politicians don't know enough normies. It's basically <laughs> their argument. If you work in Westminster, the members of the public... No MP, one knows enough normals. <laughs> Did you write that? That's something you would write. I, would write, but I read it and I was like, well, this is a... He's a genius. Basically. <laughs> basically oh um, my God, he's so right. But basically making the point, the members of the public that people interact with are... that Excuse me, that politicians interact with are like political hobbyists. They interact with po- politics because they like it. People used to think that 
people did um, got involved with like local politics and stuff out of sense of duty. But there's a new field study. There's a new idea that these people do it as a hobby almost. And what matters to political hobbyists is completely at odds with normies. And Ben Ansel uses the word normies like. Like normies engage with politics at election time, maybe. Mm. They don't keep up to date with the comings and goings of part. They might not even know that this is happening unless they watch, happen to catch the news or read a newspaper. And so things that mass, so things that political hobbyists are concerned about, like um, Rwanda, uh, extreme trans debates, stuff like that, actually don't really, are completely at odds with what matters to normies. And so they think, so I think the Labour's worry about how they would be perceived, saving face or whatever would actually have no impact on their electoral bearings. Doesn't um, polling show that immigration is sort of third in most voters' priorities after the economy and the NHS? Yes, but the point that Ben Ansel's making is that the amount of time it is given in parliamentary debates and policy discussion is at odds. People people are concerned about it, but they're not sitting stewing at home thinking about the people on small boats. This is where we get the the word, um, we get cut through. Yeah. Cut through basically means the normal person is actually listening to it mm. or yeah. talking or about like it. Ant and make a joke about it. Or like yeah, yeah. Cut through. Mm. Like the Prime Minister going on this morning to talk about the, what he gets from McDonald's. Yeah. With his, just cut through that, guys. I, th- I think, I think the, be- the best example, Ben Ansel's example, is at when um, Rishi Sunak refused to apologise for the jokes about trans women and, and when Brianna Jai's mother was there, the ordinary person would have, was repulsed by it. The ordinary person was like, why haven't you? I, I don't understand why you haven't. That was crass. Why have you apologised to it? But to people who only engage with political hobbyists, that that's who that that's who that was for. And you don't they don't spend enough time with people out with the hobbyist mindset. And mm. that's why you could get all of those excuses rolling in that were like, he does this every single week. Mm-hmm. Why is it any different? Just because she's in the chamber mm-hmm. to a normal person, it's like. What the hell? <laughs> He's doing this every week. Every week. <laughs> and you guys aren't talking about yeah. it. That's the first I'm hearing of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Politics Show cast. Should we do some PMGs? Yeah. Speaking R- of political hobbies. Roll the clip. <laughs> Mr Speaker, would the Prime Minister be prepared personally to repeat the allegation made by his business secretary that the former chair of the post office is lying when he says he was told to go slow on compensation for postmasters and limp to the next election. Mr Speaker, as the Business Secretary said on Monday, she asked Henry Staunton to step down after serious concerns were raised. She set out the reasons for this and the full background in the House earlier this week. But importantly, we have also taken unprecedented steps to ensure that victims of the Horizon scandal do receive compensation as swiftly as possible and in full. Making sure that victims receive justice and compensation remains our number one priority, and we will shortly bring forward legislation to address this matter. That Starmer clip, in fact, the entire bit of questioning that he did around the sort of the, the brewing row between the outgoing post office guy and Kemi Badenoch. I tell you what it had the feel of to me. It had the feel of Starmer versus Johnson during the sort of preliminary first first murmurings and breakings of gatherings in Downing Street during COVID, where Starmer essentially, very simply, very directly, basically got him to explicitly say On things the like, yeah, there were no parties. Mm-hmm. or And it felt very similar to that now, where he was going, the evidence is coming out. You know, the, the, the business secretary has said this. 
does the Prime Minister agree with that statement? And this, for me, felt like Keir Starmer at his forensic best, setting yeah. up, setting traps for Rishi Sunak. You had it during Partygate, right, where you were almost thinking, like, does he know something mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that isn't actually public knowledge yet? And he's getting Johnson to sort of contradict it before it comes out. It seems as well, this is how, this is like a platonic ideal of Prime Minister's questions, in that it wasn't showy, it wasn't screeching, it was, it was actually like a genuinely useful Inter, like um, set of interactions on matters of substance absolutely like, which, which it should be as in well our business model is ruined if it's not sure <laughs> <laughs> vested interest in people shouting at each other but I think it is is someone it, running scared <laughs> <laughs> someone running scared from the chamber quivering <laughs> fury um, I think that's it was a it's a useful exercise because he he has done the work now to come back to this time and time he's again he's doing the work he's, baby Starmer's uh, doing he's the learning. work he's learning but yeah it's, it's and now he can hang Sunak by his own petard oh very good absolutely very good sir nice um Ava your thoughts on that exchange from, from Starmer with Rishi Sunak um well, I, I, I agree with you. What about oh. <laughs> yes, yes, very it was good. very forensic. Um, I thought Sunak as well did not back. So Kemi Baden at the Business Secretary has called the former post office chairman a liar uh, for claiming that he'd been told to delay funds until after the election repayments. Um, and he didn't back her in the chamber today. He didn't call him a liar. He didn't question him. And so as much as I agree with you that Keir Starmer is being forensic and he's trying to get it on record that Sunak is is dithering on this or is not entirely being truthful and might potentially have lied to the House, mm-hmm. Sunak is also at pace with him. He knows not to put on record any questions over either of those people's statements. He's, so I think what he'll end up doing, that he will give evidence to the Select Committee next week, the former chairman, and he will probably provide documentation that shows he was told to delay repayments and Rishi Sunak will sack him. Sorry, excuse me. Rishi Sunak will sack Kemi Badenoch and say, how could you do that? Well, mm. probably knowing about it all the time. But in, in no way was it on record that he ever believed her account of things. Mm. A word to the politicking. Perhaps. God, you're on fucking fire today, well, bro. Tough cat. Well, do, you know, do you know what about all this Westminster stuff? It's just shameless politicking. <laughs> Believe it or not, I think some politics was involved. Um, Badenoch is talked about as like his biggest rival for the leadership um, because Tory members are just hit have like all has head injuries. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but so. <laughs> Uh, Sunak has given himself the space in the room to potentially park one of his rivals. Do you remember that? Park. Um, do you remember park that? One of his rivals. Park. Yeah. Like you wrote Bay Park. Bay, uh, yeah. Bay, someone's passed a driving test recently. <laughs> Very much. Did so. we talk about that? Do you think that all, think of, so. all of our conversations are basically like a lesson in restraint for you because you know all of the terms and you know all of the politics, but you don't want to look like you do. <laughs> like you don't want to um, look like you're engaging. Dear viewer, I'm actually a bit of a normie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you could say this Badenoch thing. He really is parking his tanks on her lawn. Um, <laughs> I get a really good impression of a loser. On, um, <laughs> on head injuries. Yeah. Are you familiar with that viral clip of... Um, Mind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ma- that my comment was massively inspired by that. Yeah. I, 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 was a, I was a Remainer. I, was, um, I loved the EU. And then something happened to me, Nigel. And, and I, my worldview changed forever. And Nigel goes, 
And and what was that? I was kicked in the head by a horse. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's we were in move. the. Um, I was in the newsroom while that was going on. Unreal. Sick. Um, what was the vibe? What was the vibe in the main appalling. room? Appalling. <laughs> <laughs> appalling, because it was like. The producers sit, you know, the, you know the layout, obviously. It's I one do. of the stars of the station. Um, the yeah. producers sit on like this, like one table, and then management sit next to it. And so like all the producers were like, <laughs> can't breathe. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> and like management, like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that's so interesting, because I would be like, well, that's fucking funny. That's just, it's yeah, but, still yeah, funny. Yeah, but when he's your guy, it's not funny. You're like, he is our guy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But, but yeah, I think generally speaking, best way to blow off something like that is to just fucking laugh. Yeah, I like, think yeah, I lost good. oxygen to my it. brain. I actually think I did because I was sitting there like... What happened? I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that collar through. Well, I, didn't I, know I was, was in the studio. It's not... Yeah, it wasn't to me. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Not another one. It's the Politics Show cast. Ed, you mentioned Stephen Flynn uh, earlier yeah. on in his contribution. Should we have a little listen to that? Yes. Roll the clip. Stephen Flynn, SMP leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. May I begin by echoing the sentiments of the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition in relation to the heroic bravery of Alexei Navalny. We all must continue to be united in our opposition to Vladimir Putin. Mr. Speaker, as it stands, some 60% of the buildings in Gaza are either damaged or destroyed. Much of the farmland is in ruin. Some 30,000 people are dead, 70,000 injured, and 1.4 million people are currently sheltering in Rafa, awaiting an imminent Israeli onslaught. Surely the Prime Minister must accept that that does not amount to self-defence. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been good on this yeah. throughout, throughout, the, throughout the last four months, hasn't he? He's been consistent. He's repeatedly brought it up at Prime Minister's questions. Um, Ava, run me through sort of Stephen Flynn's repeated positions on this. I know we touched on a lot of it earlier, so you don't need to go fully I've got to be really honest. I just sort of blacked out and I stopped listening. What bit are we talking <laughs> no, about? Okay. <laughs> it's, um, like... it's the oxygen thing again. <laughs> yeah. um, it was really not well. Ed, Ed, Ed do you want to step in? Do you want to talk about Stephen Flynn? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I also just had a stroke. Right. But Is it um, just me? Am I, will no, I just... No, no, no. What, do, you want me to do, do you want me to talk about what Stephen Flynn said? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. So... <laughs> 
he was calling for a ceasefire. <laughs> um, he which was, kind? He Most importantly, which kind? Yeah, well, immediate, he's, humanitarian. He's going course. for the morality argument, right? Which is an immediate ceasefire. Oh, bastard. Um, and he also <laughs> he put on record today. So again, this is a little bit of politicking because he put on the Hansard record today that he had repeatedly. The SNP's position has always been to call for an immediate ceasefire. Um, I think he might have even said not that he was proud of the record, but that he was. You'd hope he was proud of the SNP's record, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. As their leader in Westminster. I am appalled that we keep calling <laughs> for this bloody ceasefire. <laughs> uh, I would much prefer a pause in the international human fighting yeah. or whatever Starmer's calling for. <laughs> um, Flynn wasn't the only SNP um, politician to make a pretty significant contribution yeah. today. Um, Another friend of Poljo. Friend of Poljo, Pete Wishart, also had this to say. Roll the clip. Pete Wishart! I was in the House on 18th March 2003 when this House voted to go to war on Iraq on the demands of the then Labour government. What followed was death, misery and destruction on an almost unimaginable scale. Voting against the Iraq war was the vote that I'm most proud of in my time in this House. Today, after 29,000 deaths in Gaza, we face a vote of similar significance. Does the Prime Minister believe that MPs today should look back with that same pride, knowing that they have done everything possible to stop the death, destruction and misery tonight? Ava, I'm going to ask you about what Pete Wishart said. Don't have another stroke. <laughs> Are you able to comment on it? Are you ready? Not on your birthday of all so days. Now that I've read it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, back before we invaded Iraq, there was a, a parliamentary vote on whether we should invade Iraq. And Pete Wishart is saying that, that he was pleased to have voted against that invasion. And he says today he is comparing the two votes and arguing that they are, they are the same way. Now, commentators are really angry about this because a, a lot of people believe that they are not, they're not the same thing. But... I mean, arguably they are. Physically, we were going into a war and we were funding that war then. So I understand that there is a discrepancy there. But then if you think, if you consider how many arms that we supply to Israel, um, whether that is directly or indirectly, we are, we, we are complicit in the fighting that is going on there. So just because we don't have the veil of the British army has boots on the ground there, you are still contributing to the fighting. Mm. And through that comparison, I think, there's a similarity. How how long how far off are we from um, Sunak being in such dire political straits that he thinks that involving Britain in a war may <laughs> save? Me. Break, well, well, <laughs> so he sends the boys into into Rafa. Uh, fucking hell! No, well, you oh know, well, I, I thought you were going to go down. The Cameron was with Mile the other I was, day. That's literally about to see. He keeps ringing him up. Javier, what are we thinking about Falklands? Javi, papi, hey, hey, papi chulo, qué paso, eh? Las Malvinas Argentinas, sí. Is that? Sí. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dos cervezas con mi amigo Mile. Qué rico, papi, Javi. No, but I think um, <laughs> sorry, he has like a, he has like an alter ego when he speaks Spanish. <laughs> he <laughs> goes. <laughs> <laughs> Hola, hombres. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my Spanish is so limited. That's what, that's what, as far as I got. Marks out of ten for mining Ed's Spanish. Yeah, ten. Ten. Ten for that. Uh, well, you know, as I said on the last podcast, I don't believe in language personally. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't, did you see that? There was like that comment that was like, I'm disgusted that Ava thinks that she only needs Spanish to order a couple of beers. <laughs> I also need it to hit on men. <laughs> Hola, hombre. <laughs> exactly. Te amo. There's more Spanish. I've got more. God, it's a big day for you, isn't That's it? That's great. Politics yeah, is politics. <laughs> <laughs> politics is politics. Espanol, espanol. <laughs> I don't know the word for is, so that was why. Es. Oh, Espanol, es Espanol. <laughs> Who's this? I like this guy, my Spanish guy. You, you and David Cameron with your Spanish alter egos, chopping it up. A couple of cigars. In Buenos Aires. <laughs> Big two steaks. That's a good day out to be Watching fair. the inflation numbers skyrocket. Oh, absolutely. Pinging dollars because they ask you to. Mm. Great. Calling everyone shit lefties. <laughs> There's a couple of commies. <laughs> You'd be a really good McCarthy. Oh, Red Scare. Remember him that... Red's under the bed. Do you remember when the... I don't know if they're far right. Some, it, you know when you stumble onto... It, sometimes some section of Twitter find us and then they just make fun of us for like a while. And it's impossible not to check the quote tweets because they're so interesting. I think that's just all of Twitter. Isn't it? <laughs> but, but there was... Some, someone was looking at my profile picture. Someone had put it into black and white and they were discussing... And they were talking about the shape of my skull about whether or not that meant I would have been part of the Cheka or a victim of the Cheka. Just some innocent eugenics, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that people don't realise the things that is there like happen to you sometimes. Is there a rabbit hole of like English nationalists doing like skull measurements on Scots, being like, no, no, oh, no, probably. the Picts and the Celts, very different things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Can I just make a point about um, before we move on? Sure. It's... If we're the outlier in this, or the politically driven Britain are the outlier, there's wide, there's wide international support for a ceasefire. Mm. And it's just the party leadership in Britain that seems to be holding, holding on to this and refusing to acknowledge that and refusing to support it. And the Americans. And the Americans, sorry, excuse me, but yes. But you've but, also got a lot of people as well. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, we keep talking about how the UK media and the UK politicians are so out of touch with what the electorate actually are talking about. And the electorate are talking about a ceasefire every single day. So 68% public support. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Shut the fridge. It's the Politics Show cast. A little bit of Ben Bradshaw. Roll the clip. In December, the Cabinet Minister for Equalities told this House that she had engaged, and I quote, extensively with LGBT organisations since her appointment 18 months ago. A Freedom of Information answer published this week reveals that, in fact, the Minister hasn't met a single LGBT organisation, but has met two fringe groups that actively campaign against transgender rights. What is the problem the Prime Minister and the section of his party have with trans people? And his Equalities Minister has with the truth. Yeah. Well, Mr Speaker, as I've always said, first of all, this government has a proud track record of supporting those in the LGBT community and will continue to do so. And I've also always said that those who are questioning their gender and identity should be treated with the utmost dignity and compassion and sensitivity as they consider those questions. But it is completely reasonable alongside that to highlight the importance of biological sex when it comes to those questions. Nobody should be stigmatised or demonised for pointing out that fact. Ava, what did Ben Bradshaw have to say? Um, ben Bradshaw 
was talking about how there is a report <coughs> that is being compiled at the moment by the Women's Inequalities Secretary and it, Minister. Minister, excuse me. And um, in, in within that report, you're gathering evidence. And for that evidence, they have called on, uh, well, they have received evidence from gender critical um, contributors. And they haven't actually gone to uh, trans groups to actually ask them how it's impacting them. And the slant of his question was, basically, what's your problem with trans people? And Rishi Sunak came back with the very clever answer of, it's not illegal to be gender critical. <laughs> And you shouldn't be stigmatised. It's and called fact-finding. Look it up. <laughs> mm. That's the astonishing thing, is the line about you shouldn't be stigmatised and demonised for being gender-critical, as if gender-critical people aren't platformed on every single major broadcast channel, in most newspapers, on most prominent political programmes in the UK, in Parliament. They're the ones who are being stigmatised and demonised, and not the people who are most at risk. The slant, the, 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 the asymmetrical slant of the debate is extraordinary because you'll, if you work in production, you'll be looking for someone who has come up with something gender critical. Say, for example, they'll be like, I think it's disgusting that in this school you can't wear skirts anymore because we're trying to appease trans people. I'm so disgusted about it and I've written a piece in The Telegraph about it. The producer, to balance that argument, will go and find a trans person mm -hmm. to defend that argument. Mm -hmm. And in no other minority group would that argument fly, would that asymmetrical yeah. line of questioning fly. Like you would never go, here is um, a man who is pro-rape and we're going to bring a woman on now to say why rape is bad. Yeah. You would never frame it like that. No. But for some reason in this argument, it's acceptable. Amen. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's shocking and grim and gross. Mm. Who would have thought that a Prime Minister who's okay making jokes about trans people as the mother of a murdered trans woman sits in the public gallery of the House of Commons would be okay with this sort of thing happening? Yeah. Is that rhetorical or would you like an answer in that? I'd like an amen. <laughs> uh, amen. Uh, shall I give you a couple of names <laughs> of who would find that, who would find that acceptable? Um, any more for any more? Should we wrap things up? Um, thank you very much for listening to the Politics Joe podcast. We will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Ava. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.